This is Pastor Angela, and I just wanted to drop in and welcome you to Relate's podcast. I know that you're going to be filled with faith and encouraged for your week. We love you, and we're praying for you. Welcome to week number two of It's Time, and uh, week number two of 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. I don't know about you, but I feel like God is doing something in my life. I feel like God is doing something in the church. I've said this, I feel like a thousand times, but we can't expect God to do something with the world or with the church if we don't expect Him to do something right here first. And I'm not pointing at me because we need God to move me. (laughs) We need God to move myself, yourself. Like He starts with me. And so uh, I'm excited about what God's doing. I feel like God's been opening my eyes. I feel like that uh, one week into a 21-day prayer and fasting is not enough. It feels like it's good. We could just quit right here, but we got to press into a second week and see what God will do. Uh, I also want to point out that if you, on your way in today, picked up a message notes, I'm just going to point out to our ushers right now, uh, message notes. We've done something starting this year that I think is so awesome. We, we have put together binders for you to, to uh, collect your notes in so that you can take notes. And imagine this, at the end of 52 weeks, you could potentially have 52 pages of your notes, of God speaking to you, of things. Here's what happens. You look back at that and you say, wow, I've grown. God's taken me from here to here, and it's easier to track what's happening. It becomes a part of, if you don't do some kind of a prayer journal, it becomes part of a spiritual journey that you're taking. And so I would encourage you. In fact, I would just say right now, if you don't have one of those, if I could have our ushers go ahead and stand. If you don't have a binder like this, I want to put one in your hands. And from this point on, this week moving forward, we're going to have these available outside the door. So if someone comes in and doesn't have one, just grab one. Or if you leave and you don't have one, you can grab one. But I want to put one in your hands right now. And uh, they're already paid for. They're already... You bought them, so go ahead and take one if you're wondering. I don't know if they're going to charge me at the end of the... This is not that deal. So <laughs> I'm just going to let them take a couple minutes while, while we take this. Also, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. We do have right now, this coming Wednesday, the second week of our prayer services. If it, it, it's, not your, it's not a typical prayer meeting where, where you just come in and sit down and fold your hands. You can, it's more like a service. We have worship together. We, we spend some time talking about prayer. Then we take... Uh, it's it's all it moves very quickly, but man, I I can feel the power of God in that meeting. And when when people are walking on the prayer walk, and people are inside praising and worshiping God, and just it all happens within one hour. Wednesday night, seven to eight p.m. sharp, and then on Saturday mornings we start right at nine and we end right at ten. So I want you to challenge yourself. Maybe you're not the person that. You don't see yourself coming to prayer service. Maybe you don't see yourself fasting for 21 days in a row, but challenge yourself to take a step. What is that next step you need to do? Young people, what is the next step that God wants to do in you where maybe it's in fasting, maybe it's coming to prayer, maybe it's spending time in prayer. I hope that the Holy Spirit will speak to you while I'm talking today and just help you to see what's that next step that you can challenge yourself. I want to point out real quick too, I love the dream team. Can we give it up for the dream team? We are nearing our second anniversary here in the movie theater, and like it would not happen. There's no way we'd be here if it wasn't for the dream team. That's our volunteer team, but people coming together every week. They usually beat me here on Sunday mornings. I, 
I, I can only think of a couple of times in the last two years that I arrive at 7 a.m. and they're not already here, like maybe three times out of a hundred or more. And so they're always ready, always high five and always lifting me up whenever I get here. I love the dream team. And uh, I, if you're on the dream team, you've got something really, really incredible to look forward to in just a few weeks. The dream team party is coming on March 27th, the annual dream team party. Last year we did crawfish and like all kinds of fun stuff. I said this year, let's double it. Make it, <laughs> make it twice as amazing. Like what can we do to go big, go bigger than we've ever gone. We hope that every year that will get bigger and bigger and bigger. If you're not on the dream, you, this is the only thing at Relate that happens that's exclusive. Like if you're not on the dream team, you can't come, but that's definitely incentive. You still have time to jump, jump on the dream team, go through growth track and get it done. So now we start. Got all, my, got all my plugs in for what you need to know about and uh, the things that I'm excited about. Usually they do announcements that I'm like, hey, I got a couple things I want to talk about too because I'm excited about them. So uh, it, it's fun to be here with you in a brand new year. It's really fun and really quite awesome whenever we have rain all week long and then, then we have sunshine on Sunday morning. <laughs> that, that's awesome. I want to start with a verse that probably will... This is usually a word that starts this verse that feels like, ooh. So when I, when I start to read this verse, don't, don't say ooh, because I'm going to show you what it means. Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, this is John the Baptist and Jesus both are preaching the same message, and that is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's so much packed in, the, in these few words, but that first word, repent, is usually like this, ugly word when it comes to church like repent or you're going to hell or repent or it, like it's it's usually meant and used as like this stick that slaps people saying you gotta quit being you and be something else but the truth is repent is an amazing word repent is it, it literally means change your mind change your direction like that's what we all want that's what when we look at 2020 and decide, I want to change my habits, I want to change my actions, I want, to ch I want to change my life for the better, what we're really saying is, I want to change my mind, I want to change my direction, I want to be different when it comes to these things. Last week we talked about leaving things in 2019, and what are we going to take with us into 2020? Like, what does this new year, new me look like, feel like, act like? Let's define that. Let's get serious about being who God created us to be. That's how we get the best version of us. That's how we become the people that God created us to be. The, the, the things that he put in us, built into us. That's how we arrive at that destiny that we all want. Repentance. Repent. It's change my mind. Change my direction. So today's message is about that, but it's time to do it. Last week we talked about beep, beep, let's go. The light's green. Like, let's go. I'm, I'm just, we're just going to stick with that. But I want you to know that it's time to go. 2020, if you've been waiting around, knowing there's things that God wants to change in you, knowing there's things you want to change in you, ah, oh, but I can't. Ah, oh, but it's too hard. Oh, but I've tried before. Oh, but whatever your excuse is, whatever my excuse is, it's time. Let's go. Let's go. Maybe it's a change of attitude. Maybe it's a change of your outlook on life. Maybe you, you, you've had, like, dark clouds around your life and you, you've gotten into a habit or into, here's an ugly word, a rut of like depression and 
you've got this fog that follows you around and you're just like, oh man, gotta go do another day. I don't, how, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Like those kind of things. It's time to change my mind, change my direction. Right? That, what an awesome concept. What an awesome idea. And absolutely, that idea represents everything that's wrapped up in the gospel, that he gives us a new life, that he gives us new, that he gives us a new mind, he gives us a new heart, he makes us new. So I believe absolutely that God has better for us. Like it's time to put away the old and step into the new. You might be one of those people that's sitting here, maybe online you're watching and you're saying to yourself, yeah, but Pastor Sean, you don't know what I'm going through. You, if you knew how bad my life was, then you'd understand why I feel this way. You'd understand why I'm depressed. You'd understand why I'm sad. You'd understand why this dark cloud follows me everywhere I go. Here's my question for you. My question is, no matter how bad your life gets, how's that sadness helping you? How's that depression helping you out of it? How is that cloud that you haul around everywhere with you, how is that helping you get where God wants you to be? I heard one, <laughs> one guy say, how's that working for you? I got to ask myself that. I, I, I've been introspective, the, trying to dig into how do I interrupt these bad habits that I have, the things that I've carried around with me, the things that shouldn't be here. How do I, it's so easy to just hang on to them because they're there. That's me. I just, yeah. God wants to work. God wants to help us change our mind and change our direction. Nehemiah 8.10 says it this way, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I believe here is the answer, that changing who we are and, and stepping into something new is as easy as we need more joy in our lives. We need to, like the fact that we are plagued with this fog of heaviness and depression and sadness in life, you can't help but open up social media and get sucked into this. Oh my goodness, what has this world come to? You can't help but turn on the news and get bogged down in all the details of negativity, political, sociological, like health issues, like family issues, relationship issues, job, societal issues. They're just they're heavy. But here's the deal. I believe that we have to have more of God's joy in our life. I believe that he gives it to us. I believe that it's, his, it's part of his design. I believe that we are made for it. But here's the problem. Joy is stolen from us so easy. Like we can be in the best place in life and then boom, it's, <laughs> it just gets robbed from us. In fact, I think that's part of the enemy's plan for your life is to just when you get joy, just take it. Because it's so easy. It's so easy to take it. I'll give you an example. A week before Christmas, um, we, we were planning, as many of you know, we, were, we had several Christmas um, services planned, and that week happened to be our big Christmas party. We had all kinds of fun th things planned for months. We were, we were digging in. This is going to be ama an amazing Sunday. How do we make it as fun and joyful? Let's celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ together. And the day before, I started feeling really bad. I just started feeling so bad. I was like, nope, I'm just going to press through. I'm just going to, we're going to make it happen like we always have. But, but I woke up on Sunday morning feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. This is, <laughs> well, I've preached sick and down many, many, many times. So I got up here and did what we did. We had a great service. But I was like, I can, I can almost barely remember those days. 
those two services. We left the service, and I just told Ange, you may have to drive. This is, I'm feeling so bad. We got everything packed up somehow, and so much, so much of the dream team helping. And at one point, I remember going and sitting down. I just got to sit down. I sat down in the auditorium across the way, and I woke up a few minutes later. I'm not sure how long I was there. But I, was, I was feeling so bad. She said, let's go to the clinic. I said, no, I just need to go lay down. She said, no, let's go to the clinic. We went, and sure enough, they did a quick test, and it was a flu. And so <laughs> I thought, oh, man, I have so much to do this. It's Christmas, right? Christmas is coming. And all of a sudden, all of the joy and celebration and happiness of the holidays and family meetings and parties, and over, I just sucked me right out of that. At the clinic, sitting there, the the doctor tells me, okay, you know, why don't you go home and lay down, and, and uh, here's a prescription, and then within 24 hours, you should start feeling better. <laughs> I thought, uh, I don't think so. 24 hours is, I'm not going to be feeling better in 24 hours. I went home, laid down. Within about 24 hours, I, I woke up, I thought, man, I'm feeling a little bit better. <laughs> feeling a little bit better. Let's go. I wasn't quite there, but I, I started feeling that pick-me-up, that Okay, I'm not, not as low as I was uh, last night. And so every day after that was climbing out. Here's my point. Sometimes our joy gets robbed and we, get, we find ourselves in a situation that we never wanted to be. And we find ourselves in a situation that's depressing, that's crushing, that's overwhelming, that's, Pastor, you, if, you, if you could only know what I'm going through, you'd understand how, how bad this is. Listen, I'm, I understand. Sometimes we get in that situation. The, Psalm 23 calls it the valley of the shadow of death, even. We get there. It's dark. It's lonely. But here's the deal. God can bring something into that. Not something you create, but God injects something into you, joy, that changes everything. It starts to pick you up. God has the power to change everything, and it starts right here. And it can change the direction of your life. One little thing. So I'm going to give you three truths about joy and how, where it comes from. The first is, you can write this down in your notes, knowing God has a plan for my life. Like it changes me. It changes my outlook on life if I realize that God has a plan for me tomorrow, today, the next week, next year, the next 10 years of my life. The fact that God has a plan changes everything in my life. It changes my outlook. It picks me up. Because a bad day, a bad situation, a bad doctor's report, a bad whatever, whatever situational thing happens, it's not enough to disrupt the fact that God has a plan for me. Because if it's a bad health report, hey, it's a bad health report and I don't feel good, but I know that God has a plan for my life. That means I can wake up and charge into whatever bad situation I've got around me knowing that i got a plan. God has a plan. I might not know all the pieces. I might not know, I might not know all the details, but God has a plan and a purpose for my life. Here's the problem. If I don't know what that plan is, if I don't even know that there is a plan, then I start getting defined by every other thing that happens in my life. Bad stuff starts happening. It starts to define me. Now I have a cloud of doubt and a cloud of fear and a cloud of isolation around me because I didn't let God's plan define me. I let my situations define me. I let the hurts of life define me. I let the, the pain of something someone did to me define me and not the fact that God has a plan for me define me. We talk about God's purpose for your life all the time, not just because, hey, it's a cool thing to talk about. It's cool. It's easy to preach about. But it's easy because it's true. 
Because God has a purpose for you and God has a plan for you. And if you can get that in your heart, it changes absolutely everything. Because then it doesn't matter if somebody says something ugly to me. <laughs> I used to tell my kids all the time if somebody said something, so-and-so said something. I said, well, is that true? They hated when I said that. Because <laughs> it doesn't change the hurt, right? But when you start to get past it and realize, that ain't you. That doesn't define you. God's purpose can define you. On Jesus' worst day, heading to the cross, you know what Hebrews chapter, chapter 12 says? It says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. <laughs> that is such a bold, powerful statement that because of the joy set before Jesus, he went to the cross. That's crazy. You know what that means? You could have the worst day of your life. You could be looking at the worst day of your life and you can still face it with joy because you know that God has purpose in it. That doesn't mean that God's doing it to you. It means that there's purpose in it. It means that's part of the plan. And so Psalm chapter 16 verse 5 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. He defines it. Watch this, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. What does your life look like? Where's the boundary lines of your life where God has put you? Surely I have a delightful inheritance, something to come. I have something to receive from God that's delightful. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. That's the key. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken even when the shaking comes, even when the turbulence comes, even when the wind rocks me, even when the waves shake my foundation, I will not be shaken because I know what my inheritance is. I know what my purpose is. I know what God has for me. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. That means I don't have to be plagued with... Uh, with doubt and fear and worry and distress and depression because I know right here in my mind, because my mind's been changed, I know that God has a plan. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Can you see yourself in that verse? Can you put yourself in his word? It's there for you. You make known to me the path of life. That, that purpose, a plan that God has, the blueprint, blueprint for your life. The footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Absolutely, I believe that God has, like it's not a destiny that, oh, what will happen will happen. No, it's a, it's a plan that he's laid out. You can follow it or you can ignore it. Like you can walk away from it. Absolutely you can. For sure you can. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know what that doesn't say? That doesn't say that I just have joy. I'm a joyful person. I'm that kind of personality. No, it says you fill me with joy. You fill me with joy. A hundred percent. This is why we talk about growth track every week. That's why they stood up here earlier and said growth track number two is happening during second service. Why? Because 
Why does a personality, spiritual gifting test, why does all that matter? What your passions and personality and your giftings all fit together to help us define that path, the plan that God has. Let's figure out the purpose so you can get on that plan. That's not to help us. That's so we can help you. The whole, the whole system is designed so that you can get where God wants you to be. It's how, you're, it's how I'm designed. If I hadn't had people helping me, coaching me, saying, well, what do you think about this? Okay, we'll try this. Let's, let's pray about that. Let's figure out what God can do in this area. Let's look and see where your fruit, like where's the fruitful area of your life? What is God blessing? What have you been a good steward with? Like those kinds of questions like, where are you going in God? What do you want to do for God? I'd ask you the same question. What's in your heart to do for God? That's part of that passion and that plan that he, I believe he put it there. I don't think it's just some random thing. Well, I just like doing this. I don't, I don't think that's it. I think God puts, the Bible says that he gives us the desires of our hearts. I don't think that means that when you say, God, well, I desire a lotto win. I don't think that, I don't think that's God's way of saying, hey, here's a blank check. I think that God gives us the desires of our heart. He puts them in us. And then we get to live them. We get to walk out that desire, that passion. Kay Warren wrote a book called Choose Joy. This is Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church, his wife. And she said in it that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. Imagine being there. I'm so settled and, and, and assured that God's in control of my life. You're probably thinking, no, that ain't me. I, I, my faith ain't that strong. I haven't been in church that long. I'm not that kind of Christian. Why not? You don't have settled assurance that God's in control of all the details of my life is not something, sure, it can come in time. It can come just like that if you decide to, if you decide to be that person. And my question for 2020 and you is, why not? Why not? Number two, certain that God will work it out. Where does... <laughs> What is that joy? Where does it come from? It's in being certain that God's going to work out the problems in my life. <laughs> even, when, even when it looks like things are going bad, even when you get that bad doctor's report, even when someone passes away, well, I had a different plan. I thought, God, how could God let this happen? Even when all the worst things seem to be happening, you can know that God's purpose and plan, and he's working behind the scenes to make it better for you and better for his purpose altogether. He's fulfilling his word in your life. If you can get that certainty in your life, all of a sudden you can wake up in the morning and say, all right, let's do it, God. Where are we going today? What are we doing today? Oh, there's another bad report. Just put it on the list. <laughs> I remember when I was a youth pastor and I, I, I would catch uh, kids, little punks doing stuff, right? At the, <laughs> I'm trying not to be too ugly. They'd be tearing up something or breaking into something or I'll find a guy and a girl sitting back in the dark doing something they weren't, right? Because <laughs> that never happens. I'm looking right at y'all. <laughs> Just kidding. I never caught them doing anything. I was, there, I was never their youth pastor, so. I caught, I, I, many times, but I, I, sometimes you catch a kid doing something. He's like, dude, you're in trouble. <laughs> Just wait till we tell your mom. And then they just sit there with a smirk on their face like they know something I don't know. We call mom. Oh, I'll deal with it whenever he gets home. Nothing ever happens. 
<laughs> he could just smile all he wants because he knows he's not in real trouble. That's kind of like what happens whenever, whenever the devil throws something at us and, and I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to mess you up. Bring it. <laughs> I know God's in control. I know my father's in control of this day, the next day, the next day after that. You can't do anything to disrupt his plan unless I let him, unless I give in and just decide, oh, man, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I should probably, oh, this is super overwhelming. I was reminded of this this week. I walked into uh, another another problem with uh Miss Joe and I and some other people were looking, we were trying to catch a raccoon that broke into the attic at her house. And I was going looking for traps and I had walked into uh, to Lowe's and uh, met another family in, in the church. And they said, oh, Pastor, so good to see you. You'll never guess what happened this week. Uh, a utility company was pushing a, a wire or drilling under the house and broke our sewer pipe or one of the water pipes or something. And now... Water's all over the house, and it ruined everything. <laughs> like that's a bad place to be, and we don't even. They, they said we don't. We're not even. We weren't even sure if we could even stay in the house if we could live there. So no, we moved to a hotel. But now we're back, and now we have money to basically rebuild the house and remodeling. They were picking out lights and color and paint, and they were like so excited. <laughs> like God had it. Like this is a, this is an amazing thing that's happened. Isn't it amazing how some of the worst things in life can turn into some of the best things? But we don't think about the end result. All we think about is, there's water everywhere. I'm going to sit down at it and cry. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. This is not something that comes from us. It's something that comes from God. You can't see it. You can't go and order it online somewhere. You can't. It's something that God gives us. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 is, you might need to just write that down. You might need to take it with you because sometimes we say, well, it's not all about being positive, Pastor Sean. It's not like if you're just going to preach to us about being positive. No, I'm preaching to you about being joyful, about the joy of the Lord being your strength, something that comes from God and strengthens us. Kay Warren says that the joy, joy is a, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. Quiet confidence. Hey, it's going to work out all right when I choose joy. And that's the key. Number three, you got to choose it. It's a simple choice. We wrote, uh, Angela, we, on the church Facebook page yesterday, one little thing that will change every day of this year. Making a choice to choose joy. Like I choose joy. You have to write that real big right when you wake up so it's right by your, by your bedside when you get up or right when you go look yourself in the mirror. I choose joy. Something to remind you. Choose joy. Because it's as simple as a choice. Because <laughs> joy's not just going to find you and all of a sudden, man, I can't wait till I, I can't wait till my life takes a turn and I can be happy again. Or my life takes a turn and I can be joyful again. I can pick my head up and start having a better outlook when things start turning around. No, it's not. Joy's not going to jump on you. Joy's not going to find you. You got to find it. 
And if you'll choose it, pick it up and decide 2020 is my year of joy. January is my month of joy. I'm going to start over. I'm going to let this be the moment where I take a turn and I start choosing joy. Philippians 4.4 is amazing because it says rejoice in the Lord always. And watch this. After five words, he had to say it again. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Because for most of us, we decide to choose joy and then all of a sudden we forget. We're back into something else. Situations overwhelmed us. And we got to remind ourselves. Put it as a reminder on your phone. Tie a finger around, tie a string around your finger or put a note on your arm or my daughter has bracelets all over her arm that says different things. Remind yourself somehow. Choose joy. It's a daily choice. I remember when my kids were little. I, we could tell just by what they had been watching. I know that my son, when he, he was probably, I don't know, four years old, <laughs> started acting down and like whining and complaining about everything. And it would be real easy to say, hey, kids just do that sometimes, right? But then one day I'm walking through the room and I realize he's watching this cartoon and this little kid on the TV, and I won't even say what's the name of the cartoon because I hate it. Oh, you already know what it is. The kid is just whining and complaining. And I'm like, eh, 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 this is out of here. You're not allowed to watch that show. And he's like, no. <laughs> he loves that show. I'm like, dude, you got to find a better show. So we would like move on to Bob the Builder. Why? Because then he walked around the house. He was Bob the Builder. And can we do it? Yes, we can. That, <laughs> that changes the outlook, right? You choose how you want to see life. You choose how you want to feel, and you can either walk around and complain about everything and whine and gripe and mom. <laughs> some of you are some of you are saying, yeah, I know who that is. Some of you are saying, I don't know anyone like that. You. I'm just kidding. It might not be you. I'm just saying, you gotta make a decision. You gotta make a choice. Again, Kay Warren said this, joy is the determined choice to praise God in all things. It's a choice. So it's time to choose joy. It's time to choose joy. Would you just say that to the person next to you? It's time to choose joy. We need more joy in our lives. We need more joy in our small groups. We need more joy in our teams and in the church and everything that we do. When we go to work, we need joy. I can tell you this, when we have a meeting for the church, I love having meetings, but we try to make all of our meetings like a party. It doesn't take about five minutes and everybody's laughing. We're having a good time. I love that. I love to be around people who help me stay in joy. So it's time to choose joy. And so I'm going to give you a couple of practical things, uh, practical ways in the next six or seven minutes, practical ways to live in joy. But we'll start with Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, with the simple choice. This commandment, this is the commandment. This commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. Got it? It's not too much. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. It's not complicated, in other words. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it to bring it back and then explain it before you can live it. It's Listen, it's not this... A complicated program and a lifelong endeavor that you have to work out and plan and then figure it out and then you can attain it. It's, it's close and it's easy. It's simple. 
The word is right here and now. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, it's close. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you a choice. Life and death. Life and good. Death and evil. And I command you today, love God, your God. Walk in His ways. Keep His commandments, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, in the land you are about to enter and possess. But I warn you, some of you are thinking, this is too many scriptures in a row, I can't keep up. Go back and read it. It's, it's simple. But I warn you, if you have a change of heart, if you turn around, this is that change. If you, if you can't change your mind and you change your direction and all of a sudden you turn back around and you decide, ah, it's not working. What's going to happen is if you refuse to listen obediently, willfully go off to serve and worship other gods, you will most certainly die. You won't last long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you, here's the choice, life and death, blessing and curse. Choose Choose life so that you and your children will live. You got a choice. And it happens every single day. Am I going to choose life? Or am I going to choose death? I want us to look at Paul as we, as we open up these three things. that Practical steps we can take. Paul's life was, so many bad things happened to him. You can read back through a lot of the New Testament and, and see all these things. But he writes the book of Philippians, in fact, and he's in prison when he's writing, writing the, uh, the letter to the Philippians and of Philippians. He's in prison waiting to be beheaded. And he's getting letters from other church people complaining about this and about that. And all of Philippians is about joy, basically. And so... Here's his response, and we're going to read some of it. But number one is this. Choose to look beyond what happened, like the actual issues, the circumstances, the things that you think are the reasons why you feel bad, the reasons why you're sad, depressed, and don't choose joy. Because when we get focused on those things, like if Paul would have said, man, I'm in prison. I can't do anything. I can't believe these people. All my plans for life are thrown off, and I can't, like, that's where we get caught up in it. We keep, we keep reliving it. We keep rethinking it. Sociologists say that that's one of the, the, the greatest reasons for suicide is because people ponder on the problem. People keep uh, ruminating, is the word, on the problem. Like, like ruminating is the same thing that a cow does when it chews cud. Like it's chewing it, and then it swallows it. And then it throws it back up and chews on it some more. Over and over and over and over. And that's what we do whenever we stay depressed and we stay focused on the problem and the issue and the circumstance and the bad report or the bad relationship or who stabbed you in the back or who said this or who gossiped or those things stay with us and we just regurgitate it into our mind and it's as gross as it sounds, it's worse in our minds because we can't get past it. So here's number one is to choose to look beyond what happened. Look beyond yesterday. That's why we have to go to a small group, get plugged in, and settle our yesterdays so that tomorrow can be brand new. Philippians. Here's Paul in prison. 
I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So like all this bad stuff that you think I should be depressed about, these are actually advancing the gospel. Like they're actually doing more for the gospel than what I could do if I wasn't in prison. Wow. Some of the bad things in your life are bringing you to where God wants you to be faster than you could ever get there on your own. Well, God, I don't want to go there if I have to go through that. That's a, that's, that's, that's a sad place to be in. Rejecting God's purpose because you don't like the directions that he's given. Like rejecting the destination because you don't like the, the directions. Number two, choose to find the new opportunities. Paul does that while he's sitting in prison. He realized if you've never seen the movie Paul, Apostle of Christ, I was I was thrilled. Like I I, I didn't really think it was going to be that great. A lot of a lot of times those are underwhelming and uh, they underdeliver. But I love that movie because it, I gave like this amazing picture of a guy who was doing God's work even though things didn't go the way he thought they would. So. Philippians 1.13, as a result, it became clear throughout the whole palace of me being in prison, the whole palace guard, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Like, Christ's name is being known to all these people, all the jailers, all the, why? The palace guard, because I'm here in chains. They know I'm here for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He wouldn't listen to their griping about how this church is run or that church is run or this is happening to this city or that city. Listen, there's some voices in your life that you need to stop listening to. There's some channels that you need to turn off. There's some things that you just need to say, you no longer have access to my life because it's not taking me where God wants me to go. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's gossip or Maybe it's that church or that friend or that idea or that, that family member. Some of us are getting bent out of shape because somebody said something about us or to us or to somebody else. They did something that we didn't like. Some of you just need to say, okay, I can see through that. I can see past that. I can see God's purpose in it. I might not know all the details, but I know God's got a plan. And finally, I'll close with this. Choose to focus on what really matters. Choose to focus on what really matters. Because some of the things those people are saying, like I tell my, like I still tell my kids, are, well, yeah, they said that about you. Is it true? Nah. If it's not true, then <laughs> Philippians in verse uh, 17, 18. Is it true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. This is Paul responding to the letters complaining about other churches from other churches. Like this church complaining about that church or this minister or this guy complaining this guy's not doing the work of God right. We have a lot of that going on in today's society. This church is not right. That church is not right. Paul says this. Is it true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry? It is true. But others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, basically both groups, but the, but the first group preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Like, yeah, they're preaching the gospel for good reasons, and they're preaching the gospel for bad reasons, and 
Some of them are even preaching the gospel in a certain way that they're hoping will get me in more trouble. Like he's on, he's on death row waiting to be beheaded and they're out there preaching so that he'll have a worse time in prison. And he says, sure, that's true that some are doing this and some are doing this. And then he says, you need to write this down. But what does it matter? What does it matter? Like, pfft. the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is being preached. Like he sees the purpose beyond it, beyond himself, even to his own detriment. Like, hey, even if bad stuff comes to me, I'm still happy. He still writes an entire letter that's built about rejoicing. Even in the midst of all this trouble. Even though tomorrow he might get his head taken off. This week, Angela sent me a text uh, about, about a situation that was concerning, and I just sent her back the letters P-R-F-H exclamation point. I saw her in about a half hour or 45 minutes or so later, and she, we, were, we were meeting for uh, a meeting that we were having. She came in and she said, oh, I wanted to ask you, I sent you that, did you get my text earlier? And you wrote back, what did PR, and she had written it down on a, a post-it note. She said, I was trying to figure out what those letters represent. What does that mean? I was like, you know what it means? It means, <laughs> she said, oh, well, okay, all right. Some of you need to look at the situation in your life and just say, would you just try that for, try it for me right now. Just try it on for size and see, see how it goes. Just ready, one, two, three. All right, now you can wipe the back of your head off from the people behind. Listen, some of you need to relax and realize that God's got it all under control and that 2020 belongs to him. Today belongs to him. The doctor's report belongs to him. My job, my career, my kids, my family, my marriage, it all belongs to him. And if you'll just say, okay, God, it's yours. You can have it. I trust you. I put my faith in you. And everything else, <laughs> what is, like Paul said, what does it matter? What does it matter? And the, the last verse here, verse 18, and because of this, I rejoice. And you don't just say it once. <laughs> he says it again. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Like, I'm not just going to decide to rejoice. I'm going to keep on rejoicing. I choose joy. So today, your final answer, and then we're going to pray. Today, I choose joy. Can you choose joy today? Can you start to make that decision every day? Can you start to make that a part of 2020 and the direction that God has for your life and your ministry? Let's pray together. God, we submit ourselves to you. We love you. We, we know that you have a purpose for our life. And God, I just ask right now that just like I was sick with the flu and they, they gave me a prescription, Lord, that started to pick me up. I ask you to just give us a prescription of joy. Every person sitting in this room, those watching online, every person, God, that you would just begin to inject us with that joy by your Holy Spirit. Supernaturally, we can't see it. We don't know where it comes from exactly. We don't know how it works, but we know that you're there. We know that you can take us where you want us to be. So we're committed to it. In light of the depression that plagues our society and our families and our relationships, God, I ask you, to help us walk in joy every day. And like Paul said, again, I will continue in joy. In Jesus' name. Now for those here today, you can't have joy without Jesus.
without that relationship with Him. If, if today's the day where you start uh, a relationship with God that leads you into His joy, where He can actually give you joy, it starts with making a decision to, to hand, him, hand Him your life. Say, okay, God, I, I, can't, I can't do this on my own. I'm tired of fighting back against the things that are plaguing me. I can't fight them on my own. I want 2020 to start with you. So I'm going to give every person in the room an opportunity to say that prayer and commit your life to Him in that transformative moment of decision. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you are ready to submit your life to Christ so that He can give you joy, so that He can give you that new life with nobody looking around, if that's you, would you? I'm not going to ask you to come forward or stand up, but if that's you and you want to be included in that prayer, would you just raise your hand right now? Raise it up high, then you can put it right back down. Thank you. We're going to say this prayer together, and I want every one of us out loud, would you say these words with me? Dear Heavenly Father, today my life belongs to you. Please give me joy. Please come into my life and make me new. Take the old and give me the new. In Jesus' name, fill me, renew me, forgive me of my sin, and make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast this week. We would love to meet you sometime. You can get all the details at www.relatecommunity.com. Pastor Sean and I are praying for you, and we're speaking life over you, and we know that your best days are ahead. See you soon.